Welcome back to the Practice Purchase Podcast, Season 5, Episode 5. We're talking demographics still with Scott McDonald of Dr. Demographics. We're narrowing down into kind of a city, state, region kind of view and talking through the similar questions that uh, we talked through with the Dentographics guys in um, Episode 2 of the season. Um, the approach here is, is similar to Season 4, where we had two bankers, wanted to ask the same ish sets of questions to uh, two very reputable resources. That's so that you guys can hear the differences in their answers. Um, you know, there's a lot of data here. There's a lot of, um, you know, hardened, there are a lot of hard and fast rules. And there are a lot of opinions. You guys are going to see and hear a lot of opinions as you talk with friends from dental school, from residency, professors, mentors, uh, gosh, the the quintessential, den, you know, um, Facebook groups and, and dental town and everywhere else. And how do you know what to pay attention to? How do you know what matters? Well, listening to two experts talk about uh, answers to questions like, all right, how do I determine the right area in a city that I want to live? Or what demographics metrics do I need to consider, you know, at a state level or a city level when I'm looking at practice? Hearing the answers to those questions from national experts and then hearing maybe where their opinions are. Um, and where you either agree or disagree or where they ag agree or disagree is going to be really helpful. So um, I hope you enjoy uh, Season 5, Episode 5 with Scott McDonald. Let me shift gears and ask you some questions about um, uh, a doctor who has found an area that they're targeting, but they're still looking for a practice. Just a reminder for folks, we're talking to Scott McDonald. You know, Dr. Demographics, one of the best uh, resources that's out there. Uh, so, Scott, thank you again for being here. Um, what can I say? <laughs> we've got a, a doctor who has uh, listened to you. They've identified maybe a state, maybe a city. Um, what should that doc, you, you kind of mentioned some specific um, metrics uh, that that doctor should be looking for in terms of number of belly buttons and, and economic growth and everything. Help me. Now I'm looking at a city. You know, what are the characteristics that I should focus on as I narrow my search? Maybe I'm sending mailers to specific doctors. Maybe I'm actually calling doctors specifically or brokers are sending me listings. Are there things that I should be watching for from a demographics and a psychographics perspective to help me narrow my list down of practices to actually consider? Let me give a personal comment first. That strategy of sending out letters to every dentist in town saying, gee, I want you to sell your practice for less than it's worth to me. <laughs> it doesn't work. Okay. I'm sorry. I wish it did. I wish it did, but it doesn't. We've, we've seen it work many times. However, I get your point. And what I tell folks to do, just as a side note, is be a little more targeted, right? Right. Reach out to specific individuals rather than be a credit card company and you know, send 10,000 and hope you get a 1% return rate. Why don't you send 100 and personalize them? And that has worked very, very well for well, folks. Yeah, but continue. Your point is you have to personalize it to the person you're sending it to. So right. you know that most of the uh, state licenses list the, the age or the birth date. Or, or the graduation date. date, yep. Date they started practice, if you will. Right. And that will limit your, your things. But here's the problem with that. Technology is such that they're getting so many letters mm. and they're, you know, oh, one more, throw it away. We don't care. Uh, they also, most of the time, sellers are represented by a broker. And the broker's job is to try to make as much money for the doctor, who's their boss, who's paying them, and for themselves. And they get a percentage of 
of what the uh, the sales price is. So I'm just saying doing those technical things, I, I'm not really in favor of. Fair enough. Fact, let's, let's say though that um, I'm I'm a buyer and I've, however I found them, I've got a list of practices in front of me. Pretend for a minute, I'm, I'm really ambitious and I have 20 of them and I'm starting to look at different areas in the city, different areas in the state. How, how should I be filtering my list based on demographics and psychographics? Well, I'll tell you what we do. We do a compare and contrast analysis based upon certain factors, usually five or six. Okay. And one of those would include, uh, yeah, I know, I shouldn't bring it up, but competition does count. But, you know, also the median household income or the lifestyles of the population where you're, you're finding out what are these people's choices? What do they value? Knowing that will separate one area from another. So it's not so simply that you push a button and out comes the answer on like a, on a fortune cookie to say, oh, this is a good place. That place sucks hose water. There are variables that you're trying to compare. And as I mentioned, growth in median household income, per capita income, educational attainment, those are hard, cold statistics that you can get on an area, and you can literally assign a number to each variable and compare and contrast them. Now, one of the things that I do at Dr. Demographics with my staff is we spend almost all day doing a variable, well, looking at the variables of, of a practice, a multivariate study in which you say there's an objective way to look at one place versus another. The problem is this, even though it may be entirely true that this is going to be a great location, you know it in your bones, sometimes the seller will have an inflated idea of the worth of his practice. And therefore, no matter how good it may be on paper, mm -hmm. this is not a deal that's going to go down. Sure. So we have to look at some things that are not statistical, like what the doctor's attitude, their time frame, how stable the staff will be. Right. What right. the chattels of the practice are. I mean, is this a place that you got a long-term lease? Is the lease reasonable? Are, is the chair in good condition? Or do you have to make a deal with Sullivan Shine to buy everything brand new along mm -hmm. with the Zurich? You know, those those are variables you have to take into account. And, and it's difficult to say there's a rule of thumb to follow. Fair enough. No, that, well, that's, yeah, that's me and my team. We're doing, you know, dozens of those a week. And yes, I, I hear you. My question is, and then I think you partially answered it is, okay, in addition to all of the things you talked about, um, lease, staff, profitability, collections over time, where the trends are of the business, et cetera, there's a long list of things to consider. On that list should be, you know, like, like I said, I'm looking at 20 practices on my list of things to consider would be demographics and trend lines and things like that. So I hear you saying, pay attention to the growth rate in the area. I'm here. I hear you also saying um, if uh, to know what I want to do as a dentist, because that will inform the other types of metrics that I want to do. Absolutely. Easy, easier if I'm a specialist to know, all right, I'm an orthodontist. I need to go, you know, find orthodontic cases as a GP. You do need to um, be clear about what it is you think you want to practice in right now, knowing that, of course, in the future you can shift it. But right now, I know I'd like to focus on cosmetics or I know I'd like to focus on tricky endo or, or whatever, a bread and butter. Um, and 
knowing that will help me to be able to focus. Okay. So if I want to do families and I just kind of want to do traditional show up, do fillings and crowns, I need to look in and now I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask for you to validate me here, Scott. I need to look in a, you know, the suburban area with lots of, lots of families, you know, people where I can see, um, Am I am I thinking about this the right way? Where where am I? Where am I incomplete? You're so, you are correct, Brian. You're right. Okay. You need to know enough about the area to say, is it going to fit the model of my life? Now, a thing I kind of remind doctors: you cannot separate a practice from the doctor. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people think they can, but in reality, if you hate your life and you don't like serving the kinds of people you're seeing every day. It's going to be a real long slog to the grave. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> there is a secret sauce, however, that I'd like to throw out to you that's not entirely demographic, but kind of is. Please. And that is accessibility and visibility. Mm, okay. Those are two factors that are hard to quantify, mm-hmm. but kind of like pornography, you know it when you see it, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, right. It actually goes back to the Supreme Court. I'm not just trying to be funny. No, no, I, I, well, I remember. I that. am funny, Brian, just to let you know. But, <laughs> so, accessibility and visibility are defined in this way. If you have accessibility, it means you have a large number of people who fit the demographic characteristics of the people you want to serve. They exist in large enough numbers in an area surrounding the site. I am much less concerned with the actual comp- competition ratio. But you still need to have the basic, you know, is there enough there there to make a practice survive? And that's going back to that thing you said originally. If there's nobody there, if it's a rural area and it takes too long to travel, people aren't going to go. Yeah. And they don't. There are so many practices in rural areas that are being kind of sold way beyond what they should. Uh, a lot of people said, yeah, I'm gonna, I mean, I want to go to a nice little place and have a horse on my dental property. Sure, whatever. Uh, but, but you have to have that accessibility uh, to, to that particular population you want to reach. And you say, well, well, how far is that? I usually say it has to be a five, between five and 10 minute mm-hmm. drive time. Five to 10 minute drive time. Interesting. I would have said 15, but I I hear you. Yeah. Okay. Five to 10 minutes. Just keep in mind, uh, when you have a 15 minute drive time, uh, take a point. Really a big area. And very often the, the radius around a practice, that drive time radius is impractical because of accessibility issues. Like what if there's a bridge or a freeway or new construction? What if this, you have to go through the crappy part of town in order to reach the population you want to reach. So that's an accessibility issue that you kind of have to take into account. Now I've been doing it for such a long time. It isn't hard for me to do it. It's kind of second nature, but that doesn't mean that everybody has the same thing. Uh, so sometimes it's nice to have a third party kind of look at the accessibility issues, like how long does it take to get from point A to point B? Yeah. Now, a lot of demographic companies will say, oh, well, it's a five minute drive to get here. No, uh, not five minute, five miles or mm. 10 miles. I'm going to say yeah. be very careful when we start talking about miles. Yeah, I learned that lesson the hard way in New Orleans. I've 
Don't know if you've ever seen the big, beautiful, muddy Mississippi. But you can't get there several times. from one side to the other. You know, right. you may have to have a 30-minute drive to travel one mile over the river because crossings are not everywhere. The same thing is true of freeway off-ramps or other physical barriers that will tend to influence how people think about an area. They call that an isochrone, a time-distance measurement, and it matters to people how long it takes to get from point A to point B. And if I have to limit myself and my transportation options to take a bus or a train, forget it. Yep. By the way, so, nobody wants to be on a bus or a train anymore. <laughs> two, uh, two, well, one, one clarifying point and then two follow-up questions. So the, the clarifying point, what I hear you saying is it, uh, I could go into some demographics, maybe a software, a service somewhere, and, and they may draw a circle on a map around a specific point. I can give them an address and they'll give me a one mile radius, three mile radius, five mile radius. What I right. hear you saying is it's more important to know the drive time radius, not just as the crow flies. Absolutely Perfect. true. And yep. by the way, very few patients are crows. <laughs> so, throw that out there. Um, yeah, maybe uh, once we get the flying cars, that'll change. But um Anyway, the uh, <laughs> the and I have a pilot's license, and let's, let's just hope that never day never happens. Um, last thing I can picture is uh, Utah drivers in the air. But anyway, um, the uh, the the next clarifying point that I want to know, I, I wanted to ask was, how do you get drive time uh, radius? Now I have some tools, and I'm aware of some where I can click, I can toggle between the two. They'll give me kind of a circle radius, and they'll give me drive time radius. Um, how does the average dentist typically get that info? Well, it, it's for sale. And mm -hmm. ESRI is one vendor who does that, or ESRI. Mm -hmm. uh, it used to be called the Stanford's, Stanford Research Institute. Mm -hmm. But what they do is they, they have metrics that will take population density, and they'll say how many people are in this unit of space. The only little challenge is just because you have the number doesn't mean you know how to interpret it. So, yeah, you may have so many people living in this radius, this, this drive time radius, but there are other factors that have to be taken into account. One of those I brought up earlier was visibility. Totally, yeah. So, yeah, there may be lots and lots of people there, but if they don't consider it a reasonable thing to get to that location or they can't find it, yeah. and that's, again, a factor of visibility, yeah, that was going to be close to it. That matters a lot. I want to come. I want to ask you some visibility questions in a second. Let me ask you uh, to to judge something that I tell my clients about accessibility. And the way that I phrase it is very similar. We talk about drive time, five ten minutes, and then um, I talk about uh, first impression or first time getting to the office. What could you? Get a, either get off the freeway, make the turn, cross the traffic, whatever it is. Um, a lot of times, you know, it may be an X number of minute drive, but I have to cross a three lane highway and, you know, it's, it's a death trap or something, right? And it's just a, there's no left turn or something like that. So what I tell my uh, clients is the first time you drove to the office, could you get to the, you know, did, did the GPS kind of line up with your expectations and was it a pain in the butt? Because if it was a pain in the butt, even a little bit to you, it's going to be a pain in the butt times however many active patients 
and all the new patients you're going to get. And so just to think about that, am I, am I too harsh? Am I thinking about that the right way? I think think you're right on the money. And that, by the way, is true of all visibility first impressions too. How did, how did you first locate the address? What did the building say to you about the message of what it's, it's offering there? Yes. So, yeah, I think you're, you know, and that's why you make the big money, Brian, is because (laughs) you're really good at this. Uh, but but the long and the short of it is, uh, I I prefer taking a 16-year-old with me and having mm-hmm. them drive. Good point. Yeah, that's a great strategy. I love that. If you if you do it yourself, you already know the shortcuts. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know how to get from here to there, you already know intuitively that there are certain <laughs> streets that are going to be easier to get to. 16-year-olds don't know that. <laughs> that's why they're such a perfect tool. I, mean, I didn't mean that. If my kids are watching. But <laughs> the right. idea yeah. is you have to have inexperienced drivers or those yeah. unfamiliar with the territory to really be the best judge mm-hmm. of accessibility. Good. Now, I, I bring that up because I say that the secondary thing, we talk about parking. You know, American streets, there's a trend going on that we don't we don't often talk about, and that is cities are getting rid of street parking. I don't know if you've ever seen that. But you go to some cities, you can't park on the street for love or money. Uh, With that in mind, practices that, oh, yeah, I know how to get there. Sure, it's a piece of cake. It's not for a person not familiar with the site. The other thing is you don't know how long it takes to get from a car through a dark street to the office. Oh, yeah, you may say it's only five minutes, and that may be true. But have you ever done that holding a small child's hand? Have you ever done it while you're holding groceries? Mm-hmm. Have you ever done it while you're in pain? You know, these are the kinds of things about accessibility issues that I'm always a little amazed at how few doctors know it. Look, I think it's shocking how many doctors don't know what their own building looks like. I can almost prove that by looking at how their shrubbery is organized. <laughs> you kind of go, did you ever think about Cutting that juniper, juniper bush back a little bit there, bud. Come on. Yeah. And, and so you're speaking to uh, that, that curb appeal. You talked about accessibility, but also visibility. And the, what I hear you saying with visibility is similar to the driving test. You know, I love that, by the way. 16-year-old driving test, that's going to be my new suggestion, um, is, you know, maybe it's, it's you. Yes, it's you driving up to the practice for the first time. But you're a dentist. You kind of have a different set of goggles on. Bring your mom with you. Bring your sister. Bring your whoever. Grandmother. Get yeah. your grandma to drive. Ask, ask, yeah, ask grandma to drive and ask grandma to commentate as she's driving up to the office what some of her first thoughts are out loud so you know exactly what they're thinking. Does it look and feel like a dental office, both outside and inside? Signage, like you talked about plants, you know, the sidewalks, the parking, all of that stuff matters. Is there anything additional you'd add to visibility because my my test and then we're going to talk about practice specifics here in just a second but my test is for the most part if it looks and feels like a dental office and the average person would agree you're probably okay on visibility well let's say a lot of times visibility will work against you okay? okay and and i think doctors are sometimes the worst at this by the way one test i like to give to doctors when they're thinking about really purchasing a practice Go stand out in front of that practice for half an hour. Mm-hmm. See who drives by. See who walks by. I had this happen the first time 
was um, this doctor had said, well, I, I, I don't need to do that. And I said, yeah, yeah, you do. And he realized in the morning there were beer bottles all over the sidewalk. <laughs> the doctor who was selling picked them up every day. Mm-hmm. He didn't know that. But this place was where all the booze hounds were going. And they would urinate freely right on the front of his office. So yep. he didn't know that. You got to get there in the morning, stand there for half an hour, tell me oh. what you see. Good tip. So that is a visibility and accessibility issue. Now, when you talk about, well, if it looks like a dental office, uh, I'm just going to say signage is a much more important issue now than it almost has ever been. Interesting. Now, signage comes from a statistic called gross rating points or GRPs. A gross rating point is how many people who are not in an intentionally looking for the site see the location. That's how they define the GRP. And I can tell you, if they were paying attention, so many doctors would not buy the practice because they aren't thinking in terms of what a patient would see who has never been there. Now, you say signage. Well, do you remember? No, you probably don't because you're just a kid. Back when I was working for the California Dental Association, there used to be an ADA rule that the... Tile it had to be only so big. Size and they're going around and measuring in two inches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard, yep. Well, it added a whole new meaning to anal retentive. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So th- that was a thing. Well, it, it took some years for the doctors to kind of get the clue. If I want to survive in practice, I need a sign that people can read. Yeah. And not only read, but it communicates something about the practice itself. So insufficient signage that does not tell you about the image or the services offered, or something about, uh, you know, who is around the practice, it's going to get you in all kinds of trouble. So that's that's part of the visibility issue. Just being able to find the site is another issue regarding visibility. Yep. Okay. So that's good. Yeah, I, I, you know, really, I should be charging a lot more for this advice. (laughs) It is so good. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.